Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have got the know-how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier. Here they are, your Weekend Warriors, Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for tuning in with us today. We've got another great show lined up for you. You know, Tony, there's a lot of do's and don'ts when uh, working on your own home. And I think that's, we should talk about that today. <laughs> I agree. Uh, mostly a lot of don'ts. I feel like that uh, we learn a lot of times from other people's mistakes. Sometimes we learn from our own mistakes, but a lot of times we learn from other people's mistakes. And uh, I feel like that uh, the, that's when they become so glaring, right? When we really come uh, to be fully aware sometimes painfully aware that a mistake has been made, that's when we learn from it. So, so when you, you go over somebody's house and go, ooh, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. <laughs> or you say, exactly. ooh, did you do your own sheetrock? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, those are the types of situations that I'm talking about. Uh, we uh, are going to talk about some things that can help you avoid that, mostly. There will also be some tips on things to do that you might not have thought about, but Primarily, the things we're going to talk about today are don'ts. These will be mistakes if you make them. For instance, <laughs> for example, doing your own sheetrock. Yeah. <laughs> I will. I will hold fast in my uh, in my the way I feel about sheetrock. I think if you do it yourself, you're just making a mistake. There is one exception. What is that? If you're a sheetrocker, <laughs> then by all means, it's true. Do it yourself. I've I've spoke to people. I've spoke to DIYers or weekend warriors who say, "No, I'm good at sheetrock," and I think to myself, "Really? Well, are you? Are you really good at sheetrock? <laughs> who's I mean, by whose standard?" Is the I question. Mean, I've yeah. seen sheetrock where people say, "No, I'm good at it," yeah. and you look at it and go, "Yeah, yeah, I don't think you are, buddy." It's one of those things, you know, where uh, it's one of those things where. You may think it looks okay, but it won't be until you get neighbors or friends or visitors come over and say, Ooh, <laughs> it's terrible. What happened there? Well, sheetrock's an art, in my opinion. I mean, sheetrock is an art that you have to um, perfect as a job. You I think, know? Yeah, it, I think it takes a long time to get really, really good at does. that sort of a thing. It really does. And if you if you have the wherewithal to do that, go for it. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you not to. It's hard work. but It's hard work, uh, but it's really easy to mess it up and have it not be perfect. In my experience, hiring out sheetrock, the thing is, is to me, that's the biggest value you can get when doing your own home remodel, is hiring a professional sheetrocker to come in and make it look fantastic. I mean, they hide all of the imperfections in framing, all of that stuff. A good sheetrocker will do that. Mm -hmm. And... The cost versus value there, it's just not that expensive. Yeah. So. I agree with you completely. Uh, that, that It's a very difficult work to get done correctly, and the savings is not that big. Uh, so you're, if you're going to choose to have something done that you're maybe on the fence about whether or not you can do it yourself, uh, sheetrock is one that you should ha let the, leave to the professionals. That's my opinion as yeah. well. Obviously, you're going to do what you're going to do, um, but Corey and I are just here to give you um, our best, our best uh, yeah, advice. Absolutely. You know, another big mistake 
that a lot of people might do is when they're moving into a home. When they're moving into a home, sometimes they skip the inspections. Mm. Sometimes it'll be written into the paperwork that uh, we'll take this house, no inspection. Have you ever heard heard people doing that? I have. Yeah, I think it's crazy. I think because it's there's so crazy. many bidders on the house. Yeah. They, they want to cut through all of the red tape. Yep. And they want to be the first choice. I'll take it. Yeah. So they don't care. They're up in the amount that they're offering. Right. They're saying, don't worry about that stuff that needs to be fixed. We'll handle it. Right. We'll take that responsibility on and don't worry about any inspections. You know, we'll, we'll be the easiest people to sell to. That's us. We, we want yeah. it that bad. That's to me, that is a huge mistake. I'll give you an example. My father-in-law was looking at buying a home uh, nearby here, and they it was on a golf course. It was this beautiful home. There was this brook that kind of ran down the side of the property that was on the, uh, the golf course. Super gorgeous house. However, they get the inspection, and the inspection comes back, says, yeah, there's moisture in the uh, crawl space. Mm. But we couldn't quite get down there. Oh. Uh, but it looks it looks like it's uh, significant. So he called me. He said, what do you think? I said, you need to get that looked at. Yeah. I've purchased two homes in my lifetime that have had major crawl space water issues. Both of them, if I knew about it, I would never would have bought the home. Nightmare. So I had he had the guy from Terra Firma Foundation Systems come out there. They looked at it, and they were like, no, this is going to cost you twenty five grand. Yeah. Minimum. He had to back away. Yeah. He had to say, no, I'm not taking this house after the inspection. So don't be afraid to, when you, even if you get that inspection report, I think a lot of people get it and they, you know, they put on their rosy glasses and they go, oh, that's not that bad. Or I can, yeah. I can fix that. Or, you know, that's no big deal. And then when it all cause said and done, you know, a month after you move in, the, the roof's leaking. Yeah, I you feel know. like a lot of times buyers are afraid to lose out on a house that they've absolutely fallen in love with. This is the thing, right? Uh, you find this house, you walk through it, it's beautiful, it's everything you wanted, it has all of the things that are on your list, except there's this thing that's standing in the way. Okay, I think that you should, as a buyer, don't view the inspection, the need for an inspection. Don't view it as an obstacle. View it as an opportunity. Just because you get an inspection and the inspection says... This is a problem. That doesn't mean you can't have the house. It just means you get paid to fix that stuff or you get an opportunity to get it fixed, right? You might say there's a $5,000 thing that needs to be taken care of before this house is going to be up to snuff, right? And then you say, tell you what, drop the price of the house by $5,000. That's what this contractor said it was going to case to take to do. And we've still got a deal. It doesn't have to be the end of the deal just because there's a thing, right? Well, and you got to have the conviction to be able to walk away. You know, we when we bought the home that we live in now, we had uh, an inspector come out. He looked at it and he said, man, this roof is shot. I mean, it is shot. And the we gave threw it back to the homeowner. And we said, hey, man, this roof's in really bad shape. And he said, well, I had a roof guy look at it and he said it's got three years left in it. Well, we had another roof guy come out, and the roof guy, the other roof guy comes out, and he says, no way. This thing's probably leaking already. <laughs> so it took a lot of back and forth, but you know what? We got money back off the sell price of the home, and within, what, three weeks of us moving in, had to replace the roof because it was leaking, leaking into our kitchen. Yeah, yeah. So it's things like that. I mean, we were ready, and our real estate agent was pushing us, saying, no, 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 no. 
you know, you can't expect a brand new roof. We're like, well, we can't expect to move into a home that immediately needs a $20,000 fix. Yeah. So that was, that was us. We chose to go forward and try and lower the price of the home. And it did work in our case. Yeah. But if you have a, if, if you just know it, just don't be afraid. Yeah. And there's all, a big mistake. Make a list of the things that you're concerned about potentially being an issue, right? And go in there with that list and have somebody check off all of those items. Call the pest guy, call the roof guy, call the HVAC guy. That's what you want to do. Get a hold of all of those people and make sure it's right. we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Tony Gore, Your Weekend Warriors. Don't go away. Show built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today in the show, we're talking about the biggest DIY mistakes you can make. And uh, in the first section uh, segment, we were kind of talking about uh, when you're going to buy a home and, and overlooking those inspections or getting those inspections and maybe poo-pooing some of the things on those lists, you know, <laughs> yeah. probably another big mistake would be to get that list and overlook the really expensive things, you know, like that roof or like that leaky basement or maybe a support beam in your home that uh, the inspector said, well, it looks a little hokey. I mean, those are the things, would you say, Tony, that you really should focus on and, and think about replacing those before you spend a bunch of money on that bathroom remodel or kitchen remodel. Yeah, maybe we talked about when, things you look out for when you're buying the house. Got it, right? You, you've you already done that. You looked out for those things. You did that thing. Now you get into the house. Inevitably, invariably, there will be some things that you find that you did not know about in the inspection. Corey knew about the roof. They said, the roof is a problem. They said, no, it's got three years. He said, no, it's a problem. They saved money. They replaced the roof three weeks after they moved in. Boom. Good on you. Guess what? He didn't know about the water in the crawl space. Yeah. That crept up and got him after, right? So here's the thing. Corey didn't say, well, you know, it's going to stop raining in May, and that'll buy me another three or four or five months. We'll talk about maybe doing something about the wet crawl space in November. That's not what happened. Corey's like, fix it now. You have to not skirt the big things. You can say this closet door is not opening and closing properly and say, well, we're going to get to that after we fix the leaky, you know, HVAC system. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. After we fix this big problem, after we fix the hole in the siding or whatever that might be. So that's it. Prioritizing the list to address the big costly items first. And remember, um, there's always an opportunity to sort of take bites out of those things. You get a big project, right? It doesn't all happen in one day. It takes some time. So start small, find out how much of that project you can do yourself as a weekend warrior and uh, determine the least amount of money that you have to spend during the first phase of it, right? And take chunks out of it. That's how you eat an elephant one bite at a time. 
So get in there, find out how you can break it up into smaller sections, and that's how you handle it. But don't avoid it or ignore it. Yeah, you make a good point because a lot of the things that you're, you know, probably wanting to do to your home might not be things that you need to do. Right. You know, like like replacing that closet door or, right. you know, redoing the floor in your bathroom or things like that. But those big structural issues or, you know, little things like painting your home or replacing the caulk on the exterior siding of your home or uh, insulation and air sealing. I mean, these are things that you need to do to ensure the longevity of your home. And also to make sure that you're spending the least amount possible heating and cooling your home, right? You want to save the dollar by making your home efficient. You have to spend a little bit of money to make money. We all know that. Spend money to make money, right? So make your home as efficient as possible. Spend some money. Get LED lights. These are the types of things you need to do. But replacing your lights, right? For example, from incandescent bulbs to LED lights, that's a low pro lower priority thing if you've got a leaky roof or something like that. So yeah. absolutely um, don't ignore it. Don't put it off. Prioritize. Get it done. Totally. Uh, you know, you should probably also think about your home, you know, from a 10,000 foot view. You know, a lot of people get focused on those little things or those one little things, but think about all the projects that you need to do and assign some timelines to them. You know, I'm going to redo my bathroom. I really want to do that. I've lived in the home for three, four years now, and I want to redo my master bathroom, but I know for a fact what that budget's going to be around. So I know that I need to save money for the next couple of years or a few years before I can afford it. Yeah. So it's on my list of things to do. And then when I've, when I've completed everything else that needs to be done, that's on my list. That is, that is a thing that I need to do. I want you to give me an example right now of in your situation at your home where you're looking forward. What are you not doing, right? What have you put on hold that's a lower priority? And what are you tackling instead that maybe isn't going to give you the most satisfaction, right? But it's the most responsible thing to do. Tell me, give me an example right well, now. Well, right now, I mean, I got a 30-yard dumpster in my front yard. I don't know if you noticed that last time I, you were over, but... I did, I did notice that, I got yeah. a, I've got a 30-yard dumpster in the front, and we are uh, remodeling our bonus room. And it is a room that we don't use, that uh, we use for friends and family to come and stay in, or we're gonna, what we're going to do is turn it into kind of a, a family room for the kids. So there's somewhere where they can go with their friends and not bother us. Right. But I mean, yeah, that's a project that it's kind of a low priority it's project. It's pretty low priority because there's Be nothing up there that's nothing needed. pressing right now. Yeah, there didn't need to be done. Right. We uh we had remodeled the uh storage area up there, creating a huge space to put all of our stuff in. So that was pretty fantastic. Uh, but yeah, now it's just new sheetrock, new carpet, you know, new trim, paint, those sorts of things. Yeah, that actually that first portion of that project was the priority. Because you had insulation issues up there that needed to be addressed. Correct. Uh, plus, you you cleaned up that big mess and got some uh, some much needed, uh, more efficient um, solar um, heat gain blocking sort of uh, sheeting up in there, right? Oh yeah. So you you added that tech shield up there. Yeah. The uh, the attic space that we had it was storage attic space uh, that had been you know bolstered up and actually done as storage had a nice floor in it, but it was a hot mess. 
that that space in there was you know insulation was everywhere yeah. the shelving was kind of hokey just some osb kind of laid on top of things and i had my my main line for my cold air return ran right through the middle of it so you were kind of stepping over it and and every time you stored something in there it would melt yeah you know, it was like a thousand degrees <laughs> yeah, in there yeah so yeah we redid that whole thing we pulled uh, i had my hvac buddy come over and he re-ran a new line and in that process we found i don't know five six dead mice you uh nesting in and around our hvac cold air return Ugh. and in that cold air return, there were, uh, it's probably like 14 inch or, or 16 inch, uh, HVAC pipe. And there were steel galvanized pipe that were just put together in sections, like four foot sections, like normal. And it was wrapped with like a little piddly, you know, piece of thin insulation. Well, at every scene, because that thing had, you were stepping over it all the time. And all of these things were sitting on that pipe. They were all, it was all bent up. So probably a 20% of the air that was being sucked in from my furnace mm-hmm. was coming right out of the attic Ew. because Gross. it was leaking. So we got all new pipe put in, air sealed it. Uh, we framed it in, insulated and sheeted uh, with a radiant barrier sheeting. So that attic storage now is perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Perfectly clean and it will never, you know, hopefully mm-hmm. melt our stuff again. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'll tell you what I'm thinking about in my house right now. I'm thinking that I have got a water heater, right? It's working, but it's, I can tell that it's reaching the end of its life. It's getting to that point where the, it doesn't have hot water as long. And, uh, you know, it's just getting to the point where I know it's about to the end of its life. And uh, that's, a, that's a cost that I'm going to have to incur going forward. Also, my washer and dryer are just about to the end of their life. You know, we actually just put a new water heater in our uh, our home. I had uh, the same situation. It, my hot water was running low. You know, now we have more people in the home taking showers in the morning. By the time I'd get to mine, it was cold. Yeah. So that was on my priority list and we got it done. That's what I'm saying. You got to make sure you're keeping those things in mind as you're planning the next step. I want to remodel my bathroom and master closet too, but guess what? I got to make sure the priorities are handled first. All right. We got to take another quick break. When we come back, more DIY don'ts. Should have sent to Tony Corey, your weekend warriors. Don't go away. Built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the show, everybody. Thanks for staying with us. Today in the show, we're talking about biggest DIY mistakes that you can make. And uh, Tony, what's the next one on your list that is a big, gigantic mistake <laughs> that everybody makes? Honestly, here it is. I'm just going to throw it out here. I'm not even going to beat around the bush. Not knowing when you've reached your capability as a weekend warrior or a DIYer and handing it over to a professional. Mm, You you simply have to know your limits. Look, I understand that our limits are changing all the time. Corey, our limits 10 years ago were 
so much different than they are now. Our limits are very much different. We've done so much stuff over the last 10 years, but still we know our limits, or I like to think that we do. And so knowing your limits as a weekend warrior and knowing when you have to take the plunge and bring in a professional. And that's only half of it, honestly. Yeah, I know you make a good point because there's a lot of situations. Like I always say, I don't like to do my own electrical. Um, I mean, I will dabble in it in certain situations. And you have. I have. I've done. And it hasn't been bad. I'll add a receptacle or I'll add a switch. Like, for instance, I have in my attic, there is a pull switch. So you got to climb in the attic, which is already on my on the front side of my house. There's this little door. Yeah. Like this little three foot tall door to access the front attic. Well, you got to climb in there and then reach over about five feet to pull the pull chain on that, <laughs> that, that light. Yeah. I have no problem. I'm going to install a switch. So I'm going to run the power from that over to a switch on the exterior, on the interior of my, you know, the room. Yeah. And then back over to there. So I have no problem doing that sort of electrical. Yeah. Uh, but I know my limits. And when I get to that point, I call a professional. Yeah. You know, there's certain things that I just don't want to deal with. Well, I agree with that. Uh, I, and, I, and I feel like that I know my limits, right? I, I don't dabble too much with plumbing type things. Although um, I've been known to install um, a disposal. I've been known to install the, the sink and the faucet. Mm-hmm. Uh, an Insta-Hot, I can do that. I've changed a dishwasher out. Um, I've replaced a toilet. I've replaced um, a, a bathroom sink and some hoses. I've done some of those things. I've had some challenges, right? Um, but I've had mostly successes. Uh, but that does not make me a plumber. You know, um, there's so much about plumbing that uh, is beyond me. Well, there's a big difference, too, between, say, replacing what's already there and moving plumbing or um, adding plumbing. You know, if you're adding a laundry room where there wasn't one before, you know, there's a lot of ins and outs with venting in the way the stack goes and the the angle of the drain. And I mean, there's there's very particular things. And if you don't do them correctly... Uh, you can have yourself a big problem. Trouble. Big problem. Yeah, that's you know, the thing. You including have to know. flooding, including, you know, not draining, uh, sewer backing up. I mean, there's just things like that that it's over my head on some of those things for sure. So that was part of it. You know, knowing when to hire a professional. That's part of it. Sheetrock. Here's a yeah, sheetrock, <laughs> of course. Here's another part of that. Knowing which professional to hire. Yeah. So first you have to determine. I've reached my limit. I can't do more than this. I'm going to have to hand this over to a professional. Now you have to choose the right one. You do not grab That's the easy. Yeah, the well, cheapest one. No, no, no. See, this is exactly this is exactly right. And I know you know that, but that was a nice lead in. Thank you. Don't grab the cheapest one. You know what? Sometimes the best one could be the cheapest one. We're not saying that the best guy is the most expensive, and we're not saying that the best guy is the middle of the road guy. We're saying the best guy is the best guy for you, and you have to determine who that is and whatever the price is that comes with it, right? You find the right fit. It doesn't matter that the price is, that there's a lower price or a higher price or whatever, right? You find the right fit, the guy that you communicate with, the guy that understands you, the guy that that you feel like you can trust, the guy that's around, the guy that has a CCB, 
right? The guy that's local, all of the things about the guy, the or guy the girl. That, the, or girl that has uh, good references. You've talked to somebody. You went over to Par Lumber. You talked to the salespeople there. They they reference them, right? That is the contractor that we're talking about. Uh, it does not. It's not about being the most expensive or the least expensive. Please, if you are going to hire a contractor, ask them for uh, leads, not leads. What's the word? Projects. Yeah, projects. Yeah, examples of their work. Yeah, example. And call them. Yeah. They're, if you don't call them, then they could hand you a list of anybody out of the phone book. Right. You know, so call them, just ask questions. Come up with a list of questions like, were they on time? Were you on budget? Were they clean? Were you satisfied with the results? Yeah. Were, in the end, were you satisfied? Did you get everything that you wanted for the price that you thought you were going to pay? Those are the sorts of questions that you need to ask, you and, know, and if, and if you get one that's no, well, maybe uh, find somebody else. Here's another thing. This will help you to build trust before the project even starts, right? If he gives you a list of references and you call them and you hear people tell you that he did a good job or she did a good job, that this contractor is uh, respectable, you're already building trust for that contractor. And that trust is what's going to propel your project forward to success it's very important mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so not only choosing when is the right time to get a professional but choosing the right professional well you made another comment earlier too about uh, finding the right person for you and one thing that a lot of people don't think about is when you're starting a project depending on how long that sub is going to be there sometimes they're going to be there when you're not home unless you Work from home, right? right? Right. So if you have to go to work, they're not going to come over at five o'clock when you get home, or they're not just going to work Saturdays while you're there. So you have to trust them, and you have to be able to work with them. Or, you know, if you if you can't have that sort of relationship with them, it could go south real quick. Right. So here's keep another that in mind. yeah, and here's another thing to keep in mind, Corey. Tell me this: Does every professional have a CCB? No. Does everybody with a CCB, a, is everybody with a CCB a professional? No. You see, it goes both ways. A CCB is something that that adds to your uh, your ability to trust the person that you're talking to, but it does not make them a professional, right? It means they passed a test. It means they got a license. It means they maybe are choosing to be a professional, but that doesn't mean that they've reached that point yet. So don't confuse the two. Uh, having a CCB is a good thing. It does not make them a professional. Uh, and being a professional is a good thing, but it doesn't mean that they have a valid CCB. And you can check that uh, on the internet. You can actually just take a look at that, make sure that it's something that they have. Yeah, if you're in Oregon or Washington or anywhere, you can search, like in Oregon, you can search Oregon CCB and it'll pull up. They have a website and you can search their phone number. You can search by their name. You can search by anything. Or if you have their CCB number, right? punch that in. The you can look at complaints. You can look at all kinds of stuff on there. Yeah. Uh, you know, a contractor that has nothing to hide, has probably got his CCB right on his card. He's probably handing it to you. It's got his name. It's got a cell phone number. It's got a CCB number. And he says, I am licensed and bonded and insured. Right. And I'm, a, and I'm proud of it. This is a guy. This is already, these are good things, right? You're maybe he doesn't know your uncle Jack. Maybe they didn't, you know, maybe they didn't uh, spend a lot of time together, but, uh, 
Well, I'll tell you right now, Tone. That might not be the right guy. <laughs> if, you, if you make the big mistake of hiring a contractor that doesn't have a CCB as licensed, bonded, insured, I'm going to tell you right now that if something happens to them on your property while they're working on your home, they can sue the living snot out of you. Yeah, And you could be on the hook for a lot of money. If something were to happen to them, they fall and slip and break their leg or whatever, you could be in trouble. You definitely do not want to have that um, on top of the project that you're already now not getting done because your contractor's injured. Totally. Uh, yeah, that's the scary stuff. So, yeah, cross your T's, dot your I's, do your research, get references, talk to your people. Corey and I are going to take a quick break. When we come back, more DIY don'ts. Should have said to Tony Corey, your weekend warriors. Don't go away. show built by par lumber now here's tony and Corey. hey welcome back to the show everybody thanks for staying with us i'm Corey valdez <laughs> you are still yes i thought maybe that you had changed to be somebody else for some i was literally thinking i'm tony i'm t- i'm no i'm tony you're tony i'm hi Corey. Thanks for, uh, for thanks for listening today. Thanks hey, for you, staying tuned. Yes. If, also, if you haven't already, uh, Tony and I are all over Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, you can watch us record this show right now on YouTube. Uh, we're doing a uh, video podcast as we speak. Yeah. Uh, producer buddies in the studio with us, and uh, you can go check that out. Go uh, go to our website at uh, www.homeshow.com. Uh, all of our stuff's on there, or you can go to par.com. That's P-A-R-R.com. Click on the Weekend Warriors link, and uh, all of our information's right there, too. Um, I'm wondering when they're going to start calling this a vodcast. Have a they, vodcast? Uh, is, is it already happening? Remember remember uh, when first it was... Vlog? Yeah, first it was a blog, and then it was a video blog, and then it just became a vlog. A vlog. Yeah. A so vlog? I'm wondering if this that is... That word is dumb to me. I'm vlog. Just, but people are saying it. Are they saying vodcast? Vodka? Vodka. vodka? Vodcast. It's very close to a word that you have to say it in a like lot a of Russian people, accent. Yeah. Vodcast. Vodcast. <laughs> Welcome to my vodcast. Yes, this is good. Anyway, this is what we're doing. And today we're talking about the biggest DIY mistakes. Biggest DIY mistakes that you can make, we're trying to help you avoid them. When we say DIY, we're really referring to like home improvement projects, home maintenance projects, um, things that weekend warriors do. Uh, when I was on vacation, Corey, I was having a conversation with a guy uh, and I said, well, are you a weekend warrior? We, we actually hadn't even talked about anything home improvement related at all. I just said, are you a weekend warrior? And he says, you mean, you mean like home improvement? I said, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. He says, well, I kind of fancy myself a little. Here's the thing. Weekend Warrior can mean a lot of different things. Um, home improvement is just one of those things, but this guy picked it right out. So uh, that's what we're talking about. Home improvement projects and how not to make those big DIY mistakes. Here's another one on the list. Uh, the next item on the list uh, is failing to check CCNRs. You need to know if you're moving into a neighborhood you need to know what the rules and regs are 
in that neighborhood. Sometimes CCNRs in a neighborhood start out when the subdivision is newly built, and mm-hmm, then sometimes mm-hmm. it peters out, and then they just kind of fades away. But a lot of times, they stick around. The people in the subdivision like them, and they want them enforced, and so they stay on it. And it can get very political. It can get, yes, it can I mean, get you, super you, scary. They tell you what color you can paint your home. They tell you... How tall your fence can be? Yeah, how tall your fence can be. I mean, they, can, they tell you... Whether or not you can have a shed in the back. Where you store your garbage cans. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. It can get pretty uh, pretty crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, I always say that if you're going to buy a home, look into the CCNRs first. For instance, I drive a Parlumber pickup truck. I drive a work truck. Parlumber's plastered all over the side. Yeah. We looked at houses that had CCNRs that said... Oh, no, you cannot park that truck. In the street? In the driveway. Oh, in the driveway. You can't park it in the driveway. You can't You can't park it on the street. It has to be in a garage. Well, guess what? It's got a lumber it's rack on it. It's got a rack on it. And my wife in, parks in the garage. Going to my garage. Not me. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's something to be aware of. And like you said, they can tell you if you can. I mean, you might not be able to put a swing set up or a play structure yeah. or whatever you want. You might not be able to do that. So... You Especially might not if be able you're looking to at a that, house that you want to remodel. You might not be able to put that 24-person spa in the front yard <laughs> where you want it. So I wouldn't that do that anyway. So that everybody can see it. Wouldn't do that anyway. But uh, well, anyway, something to keep in mind. Uh, check it first. Like we had uh, Cole Peterson on the show last month. He's an ADU specialist. He's the authority. Yeah, he's an expert. Yeah. And the first thing he said was, see if you can even do it. That's like the first step. You know, before you start making all these plans, before you start making all the budgets and calling all the contractors, find out, can I even do this legally? Because I'll tell you what, the last thing you want to do is do it and or, say, yeah. now, nah, you know what? I'm just going to do it and suffer the consequences. Guess what the consequences could be? It's bad. They'd make you tear it out. Yeah. No worst, joke. The worst case scenario. You, you don't actually want to spend any money at all, uh, and then find out that you can't do it because that's going to be lost money, let alone do the whole project and then find out you have to tear it out. That would be bad. I actually heard a story of a guy who bought a home and he put a new roof on it, and the CCNR specifically said, you have to put this color of roofing on the house and in this style. They told him what style and color they had to put on the roof. He said, no, I don't want that. I'm going to put this on it. He fought it for like two years. After he did it, they t- they made him tear it off. Wow. He had to tear off the whole roof and get it re-roofed again. Wow. I mean, he had lawyers and all that stuff involved. And it came down. I mean, he signed the paperwork on the CCNR thing that said, What a mess. Oh, no. That is a mess. Yeah, make sure you check into that. And, and uh, here's another really good tip I feel like. Corey and I are always telling our listeners, get to know your neighbors. Get to know your neighbors because you ultimately you you go on I've vacation. Never said that. Yes, you have. You go on vacation, and and who's watching your house? You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Your next door neighbors are right there. If you don't know them, they don't care about you. Take the time, meet your neighbors, have a communication with them. At least be on a, at least be on a first name basis, right? Corey, hey, right? And now when you're gone, he's thinking, hey, that guy's in Corey's lawn. I'm worried about that. You know what I mean? Build some trust with your neighbors, at least with one or 
to, right? Have, be on a first name basis. And here's the thing, communicate with them about these types of things. What's going on in this neighborhood? If you're new to a neighborhood, introduce yourself to your neighbors, get a little information. Hey, what's going on here? Cops here a lot. Yeah. See gargoyles hanging out on my, uh, uh, on my <laughs> chimney, you know, I mean, what's, what's going on? We got, we got some issues. Just know your neighbors and uh, use them as a resource. It's a good idea. Yeah, you know, it would be, that would be a big mistake is to not take advice. You know, if you're doing a home remodel project in your home, chances are the home in your neighborhood was built by the same builder. Chances are. It happens a lot where there's a neighborhood and every single house was built by the same builder. And every single house has the same uh, interior grade stuff, the same framing styles, all of that stuff. So if you're thinking about, well, I want to blow this wall out here and do this and do that and do this, it might not be a bad idea to Bounce. talk to that person down the street who yeah. has the same floor plan as you that maybe they did that project. Oh, let me tell you. Don't do that. Don't do this because this <laughs> is down there and I cut yeah. this and put that in there. I mean, there, there's a lot of information that you can find out just by talking. Yep, free. Free information. And ask your friends. Yeah. That's always a big mistake. When, when Tony... Went to go remodel his kitchen. Yep. He called me up and said, hey, uh, he built an Adair home. And I happen to be uh, the salesman for Adair for Par Lumber Company. And you called me and said, hey, do you can you pull the plan on this and tell me if this is a load-bearing wall? I was able to pull that up and tell him yes or no in five minutes. Yep, absolutely. So using your friends, asking questions, advice. That's, that's an, always a big mistake if you don't. Yeah, I agree. Uh, definitely want to utilize your resources, whatever it is that it's cost you to be a friend with someone who could be of assistance to you. I'm telling you, my relationship with Corey is expensive for me. Very expensive. But periodically, I get to cash in on that, and he does something for me. How is it expensive? Ah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just want to see if you're listening. I thought maybe I lost you there for a second. If anything, it's expensive for me because I feed you way more often. <laughs> yes. Uh, speaking of feeding me and how expensive it is, um, this is another one of those things. Setting an unrealistic budget. How often? How often? You talked earlier about having the rose-colored glasses on. Oh, man. Get them off. When you're budgeting for your project, leave the rose-colored glasses in the car. In the car. In take the yard. Off, take off those HGTV glasses, too. Yeah. And, I'll tell you right and now, the DIY network glasses. I don't understand. You know, you, some of these shows, all, all the contractors I talk to every day throughout the week, you know, all of them say the same thing. They're like, oh, this this pain person, this customer that I have, they, they want me to do this, and they think it's only going to cost this. And it's like they watch the show, you know, based out of Texas where it only cost them, you know, three grand. And my budget's 25000 It's like. There's some of, there's these unrealistic budgets and expectations that nobody really understands where they get those prices from on HGTV or yeah. some of those shows. Yeah. Maybe it's because they get free labor or I don't know, free donated products, maybe. Uh, but really call contractors and have them come over and price it for you. Absolutely. Go to Par Lumber where you can get a professional behind the counter and he can help you out and help you understand what things are going to cost we got to take another quick break. When we come back, we're talking about underestimating the value of paint. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your Weekend Warriors. We'll be right back.
listening to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Bar Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for sticking around. Today in the show, we're talking about DIY biggest mistakes. The biggest mistakes a Weekend Warrior can make. Yeah. And uh, honestly, Tony, the biggest mistake of all, of all, is going hungry. Yeah, you have to... Having all your buddies over to work on your house. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that your body is uh, your number one tool, right? And you have to energize... The tool. You are a number one tool. <laughs> I'm your number one tool. You have to energize the tool. And in order to get energy, in order to fuel up your number one tool, you need food. And there's no better person to talk to about fueling up your tool but Mr. Barbecue. Mr. Barbecue. What's, What's happening? Up, buddy? I'm doing great. And how are you, my friendly tools? We're, fan- <laughs> we're fantastic. <laughs> we're great. It has been so long, we feel like, since we've talked. I, I absolutely have missed having you on it the is- show. So we're so glad to have you back. Oh, it has been a while. It's been very hectic. It's been awesome. And I have missed you guys dearly. Oh, well, it's good to have you back again now. We know you've been yes. very, very busy building the brand. Yes. Yes. We've had some good things happen. Uh, we've got uh, a new uh, distributor that will reach out from uh, to uh, uh, Northern California all the way to Alaska and to Montana. Wow! And um, we just got uh, the show done with uh, meeting all their customers, and so we are actively hitting the streets right now with them. And I think you're going to see a lot of stores uh, picking us up. That's Man. fantastic. That is big yes. things happening with uh, with Pappy Dogs. Uh, it, and so for our listeners out there that have, uh, have not heard us talk to Pappy before, Pappy uh, manufactures Pappy Dogs, which are amazing uh, hot dogs. You could kind of call it a hot dog. It's really more of a, a whole meal in a dog shape, really. Uh, the yes. most flavorful dogs Corey and I have ever eaten. There's, there's uh, multiple different uh, flavors, and they are absolutely amazing, but packed, yeah. packed, packed with flavor and my favorite i don't know Corey uh would have to speak for himself but my favorite of course is the pappy jack that's my yes favorite. are you still calling it the pappy jack it is the pappy jack and um you know we had switched uh producers and this great company we're dealing with right now and we had a slight little hiccup on trying to find the cheese through these guys and we found it and so the very next batch will be the original cheese we had in it. Oh, man. So that was it is the best. Back. Yeah. It'll be chunky. It's a high temp cheese, and it will be wonderful. That's great. I was sad when you made the cheese change the first time. Yeah. The first cheese yeah. change was a, was a sad maker, but you're going back to yeah. the original cheese. That makes me happy. That is yeah. uh, the Pappy Jack is amazing and uh, definitely was one of the things that, that, Roped Corey and I in yeah. when, when we very first had it. Yeah, you'll you'll be happy with these. You'll be really happy. Well, that's awesome. So tell us, Pap, yeah. you got a you got a new uh, recipe or something for us that we haven't you heard. Know, I do, I do. Sorry to interrupt there, but I I do. You know, uh, back in February, you know, everybody had Valentine's Day, and you and I and all of us had talked about this at one point. But if you notice, what were in the meat cases were these tomahawk steaks. Did you guys happen to catch those in some of the grocery stores? 
I did not. No, I didn't. Tomahawk okay. steaks. Tomahawk steaks. Tell so me about that. Tomahawk steak is it's a ribeye steak bone in, and it's cut three to four to five inches thick. And what they do is they leave the bone on, trim the bone up, and it looks like a big old tomahawk. Wow. Mm. Interesting. Oh, so these are so good. Uh, I like the large end. Uh, some people like the, the small end. I like the large end because it's got a better cap on it, and that cap's the best on the cow as far as I'm concerned. Mm. But what we're going to do is so talk to your butcher. Say you want a tomahawk steak. They'll cut it. They'll get it ready for you. And what we're going to do is, you know, we talked about iron pans. We're going to put some butter in an iron pan. We're going to bring it up to medium heat, and we're going to brown that on both sides. Now, this thing's three to four to five inches thick, depending on how thick you want it. You can have a one bone, two bone, whatever. Mm -hmm. So we're going to char those outsides. We're going to make them nice and crispy on the outside. And then we're going to fire up the Green Mountain or the Traeger. Oh, yeah. And we're gonna, yeah. We're going to take it in the iron pan. That's been cooking in the butter and your seasoning. And now seasoning, we've talked about seasoning in the past. Um, you can do salt, pepper, no big deal. Uh, I like to get a little more exotic. I like some garlic in there, some celery powder, uh, some onion powder in there, or salt. Uh, I like a little bit of mixture of some of the other uh, McCormick seasonings out there. And, you know, you mix them all together. If you like a seasoning, put it in a bowl and mix it together. Because then you get your own flavor. Yeah. So gonna mix that. We, we put it on the steak. We're going to brown it on both sides. Then we're going to leave it in the iron pan, take it out to the smoker, and you're going to set that smoker at 350 to 400 degrees. You're going to put the probe in. You're going to set the probe for 138 to 140 degrees. And you're going to just let it sit back and every once in a while, put some butter over the top of the thing, let it melt down into it. You don't even need to turn it. If your grill runs hot, turn it. Wow. But if you don't have to, if, if your grill doesn't, if it runs nice and even, you don't even have to turn it. And you're going to stick that probe in there. And once it gets to 138 to 104 degrees, whatever you set it to, you pull it off. You're going to let it sit for a good 15 minutes. You got to let those juices retain in there. And then you're going to get ready to serve this delicious steak that has got the flavor uh, beyond bound. It's just an absolutely great flavor. And so what you're going to do is you're going to cut that row, basically a small rose, cut it down the middle. You got two steaks right there. And you got a bone you can nibble on, and it's absolutely fantastic. I'll tell you what, I, I just noticed one very important part that I'm afraid might go unnoticed if we don't reiterate. It is so important, and correct me if I'm wrong, Pap, it is so important that you leave the steak in the cast iron yes. pan when you put the pan in the smoker. 100%, because I'm going to tell you something. When you open that lid and you're hearing that sizzle going on in there, and you got the, the juices from the steak in there. You got the butter that's been in there. And you can even use a baster to put it back over the top of that thing to keep it really moist. Oh, yeah. It is fantastic. And that iron pan just finishes it off perfect. Yeah, here's a little tip because it's very easy to forget. Keep a pot holder handy and, yes. uh, and keep that pot holder. And just remember that you've got to grab a hold of that cast iron pan <laughs> with a pot holder or have one on your hand. I can't tell you how many times I reached for the pot. Uh, the, I've uh, done it. The pan. I've done it. Because the handle's just asking for you to pick it up by yeah. the handle, and you just aren't thinking about it, and psst, yow, that hurts. I tell you, I have done it. I do it all the time, and I'm just not smart. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's the hardest thing. I mean, if I've got my 
if I've got my cast iron pan up on yeah. the stovetop, I just leave yeah. the you know the little potholder right on the handle. Yeah. But uh, when you're yeah. when you're in the you smoker, you know you can't really do that. So, um, but anyway, right. there's a little tip there. Leave yeah. the steak in the cast iron pot in the pan, uh, but yeah. but uh, don't forget to cover the handle before you pick it up. And yeah, that is I a great I, advice. I bought, these Rachel, I bought these Rachel Ray rubber gloves for barbecuing. Yeah. They're like massive. You can catch a baseball with these things. Yeah. And they're bright green, bright green, so I can't lose them. And I use both of them because those iron iron pants are heavy, and you got to get both sides because you don't want to drop it or burn your feet with oil or anything but yeah i they hurt bad yeah <laughs> here's a funny story uh, back in college i had a roommate who was making something on the stove and they in the recipe it called to put that pan into the oven you know you sear it on the stove and then you bake it in the oven for x amount of whatever time mm -hmm. and uh she used a plastic handled skillet <laughs> oh no no and no, she no. threw it in the oven yeah. And I'm like, what is that burning oh, plastic yeah. smell? No. Oh, what a mess to yeah. have to clean up. That would have been <laughs> yeah, the worst. It's a plastic. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Pappy, thank you so much for being back on with us. It was so great to have you again today. We miss you so much. And uh, we need to get back into this routine where yep. we have you on the show every single week with these amazing recipes. You guys rock, man. I love it. All right. Thanks, thanks again. Thanks so much, Pappy. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thank All right, you. buddy. All right, that's what we got to do. We got to take another quick break. When we come back, we're talking about your biggest DIY mistakes, the ones that we will keep you from making. You're listening to Tony Core, your week in Warriors. Don't go away. Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for sticking around. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Today we're uh, talking about the biggest DIY mistakes, but if you haven't already, go check out our social media. We're all over Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. If you go to uh, uh, Facebook and Instagram, we're at WW Home Show, uh, or you can go to our website. That's www.homeshow.com. Uh, check out our YouTube. We're video podcasting right now. We're recording this show. So if you want to watch Tony and I do the radio show in our Weekend Warrior studio, uh, or if you want to just uh, listen to it, you can do that. Go to uh, the, the website and click on the YouTube link. Subscribe, and you'll get all of our new videos. We're doing all kinds of how-tos this year and product videos. It's super fantastic. Uh, so go check that out. Yep, absolutely. So, uh, Tony, what are some of the biggest DIY mistakes that uh, we've made, you've made, <laughs> I've made, we've all made? Well, here, I'm just going to throw this one out right now, and you already know, because, of course, we did this together. Um, I got a great deal on some pre-finished bamboo flooring. Uh, to... It always starts with, I got a great deal. I know, I know, I did. I got a if great deal. If you can start any sentence with, I got a great deal. It's probably going to end poorly, yeah. but go ahead. Well, ultimately, in the end, it wasn't a nightmare, right? But I got a great deal on some pre-finished bamboo flooring for the house. We pulled out carpet in areas where there shouldn't have been carpet. We pulled out linoleum that was old and tired. And we replaced it with this beautiful, super dark, 
ebony, almost black, um, pre-finished, black. pre-finished uh, bamboo flooring, which is gorgeous. We and you and I, and with some help of a couple other guys, we, my brothers, we laid that thing down. Got down to the very it end. It was mostly you and I at between the hours of 11 p.m. and 4 a.m. Yeah, that's right. We finished off, and we got down there, and you were like, where's the rest of the flooring? And we're searching around, and there was not more. You were like, we need, like, six more full sticks. And we were going around and grabbing pieces from here and there, trying to gather. We did get it done. We did not have to compromise. I ended up having, like, two pieces left. But you know what? Ultimately, in the end, I have no buffer. And uh, that's not the way you want to be. If you have to replace some of that, uh, you know, they may not even make something that looks like that anymore. That's a big mistake. I got a great deal. But I have no insurance policy at all. So that's a mistake that I made. I did not buy extra well, flooring. Well, you know, the mistake that, you, that I would say that you made is you bought the exact amount of square footage. You always have to equate a waste factor. And the best way to calculate that is to talk to the professionals that you're buying it from. Say, what is the common waste factor for flooring? What's the common waste factor for siding? Each product, depending on what you buy, is going to have different waste factors. And probably on flooring, something like that, you're probably looking at 10%. You buy, you take your square footage, and you multiply it times 1.1. So you come up with, you know, the what you need plus your waste factor. You bought the exact amount of square footage. Yeah. That's a mistake. Like you said, if something were to happen, you, you don't have any to replace it with. Right. So... Here you are, you know, whatever, a couple years down the road, and now all of a sudden you've got uh, something that might not match. There's dye lots. There's, I mean, there's all kinds of things that just won't match. Right. Is it a huge deal? No, maybe not, but it could be. Yeah, and we had the same conversation the other day. We were talking about flooring specifically here, but you and I had the same conversation the other day. Corey's got a couple of bundles of roofing left over from the roof job that he did, and he's saying to me, these bundles of roofing... I keep moving them around. Do I really need these? Yeah, probably. Somewhere down the line, you know, another Columbus Day storm, and you lose uh, shingles off the top of your roof, you're going to wish that you had a couple of bundles of some pieces. The problem is, Corey's a clean kind of guy, and he likes to have stuff not laying around. So if it doesn't have a specific uh, job right now, he's ready to discard it. He's putting it in a, a yard sale or donating it to Habitat for Humanity or whatever. I'm going to condo that stuff. But this is de- <laughs> this Kondo. is definitely one of the things you want to hold on to uh, because you could potentially need it in the future. So that those are good examples of making sure you buy enough materials. Uh, here's another one, Corey, that Corey, we talk about a lot. Don't buy the cheapest materials. Oh, I mean, yeah. sometimes... You can choose a project and say, I want to get, I want to really do this on a budget. I'm going to buy the least expensive. That, you know, sometimes that's okay for specific situations, but don't just buy the cheapest Well, the one thing I would say to that, Tony, is to think about what you're trying to accomplish. I mean, if you've got the, your main bathroom that you're remodeling, don't buy the cheapest toilet because you're using that bathroom all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. You know, don't buy the, the cheapest, thinnest flooring because it's going to see a ton of foot traffic. Lots of traffic. You know, don't buy the cheapest caulking in the, le- you know, the least expensive caulking because it's going to see the most abuse. That's all I would say. You know, if, if you're 
finishing something off that rarely gets used in a guest bedroom. You know, sure, you could probably get away with some pretty inexpensive carpet. But, you know, just like, again, like you said before, just because it's the cheapest doesn't mean it's the worst. But I would just take that into consideration. Quality where you would require it. Okay, I'm going to set this one up for you, and you're going to knock it down. This is like the bowling team situation. You ready? Along with not buying the cheapest materials, make sure you buy the most trendy materials. <laughs> <laughs> Corey is the first person who will tell you, not too trendy. Trendy is okay, but not too trendy. Because oftentimes the most trendy things... Uh, well, they go out of style the fastest. Don't Yeah, they don't stick around. And sometimes they're more expensive to get that really trendy look. And then in three, four years, you're like, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Because a lot of those super trendy things, they come in really quickly, and then they go out just as quick. So, I mean, in my opinion, I like the more classic looks. They're going to be less expensive. You're gonna, they're going to be more abundant. And you're going to be able to hold on to those looks for a little bit longer. Yeah. If That's my opinion. The, the other thing is, if you've got money to burn, right, then you can afford to spend it on those trendy things. Then you can afford to change it soon, uh, which is what you're going to be doing if you spend sure. uh, too much money on trendy stuff. That's Burning what Corey's money. trying to say. That's what but, I do. But again, Corey and I aren't here to tell you how to spend your money. We're just here to tell you, you know, if, you, if it's not something you can afford then maybe look another direction. Here is a common mistake when you're working on a kitchen. Buying your appliances last. That is a big mistake. It's because a no-no. It's a big no-no because especially like, and not just appliances, but your sinks and your faucets and things like that, because you really have to take into consideration the size. Because when I got my cabinets built for my kitchen, they said, what microwave do you have? We're building this cabinet specifically for your microwave. What side, what refrigerator do you get? Are you getting? You have to know exactly which refrigerator you're going to have so they can build the cabinets to to fit them. So, yeah, don't buy everything at the last minute. Even if you buy it, store it, you know, put it in the garage or something. But you should have those available. Yeah. Okay, we've got to take a quick break. When we come back, we're actually going to be talking a little bit about not focusing too much on appearance and forgetting function. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. Don't go away. to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today in the show, we're talking about big DIY mistakes. And uh, Tony and I, before the break, we've been talking about all kinds of different uh, mistakes that people make from budget to... Uh, doing the wrong project for your home, for, you know, taking on too much. Uh, what are some more things, Tony, that somebody might make a big mistake doing? Well, I'll tell you what. Um, you and I are regularly talking to our listeners about things that they can do themselves, things that they can do inside or outside the home, things that they can do 
to maintain, yes, but also increase the resale value of their home. Yeah, that's really what it's about, right? Right. Um, but I think that a lot of times, <laughs> actually, I feel like it goes both ways. You know how sometimes something can be one way or another way, but never in the middle where it's supposed to be? I feel one like one way or another. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to get you, get you, get you, get you. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes saying. people underestimate the value of a coat of paint or two coats of paint. Yeah, this is true. Um, and then on the same token, but on the other side of the token, on the tails side, <laughs> some people think, oh, I'll just paint it. It'll be fine. It'll be great. I'll just paint it. They overestimated the value overestimated of paint. the value of paint. So let's talk about those two things and how um, how they play into I have your project. Perfect stories for that. Okay, yeah, let's hear one. I used to live in Flint, Michigan, and I bought this beautiful 1937 home, two story, gorgeous house. Guess how much I paid for it? Um, Full basement, two car garage. It was about 1,800 square feet, three bedroom. 200,000. Two story. Not even close. 12,000. What? Paid $12,000 for that house in 1998. Wow. I sold it four years later for (laughs) (laughs) $12,000. The same $12,000. When the house across the street got firebombed, I moved out. Oh my gosh. We sold it, ran out of that neighborhood. Anyway. I'm not going to talk about Flint, but... um, (laughs) Sounds like crime was rampant. There was an interesting thing about that house. When I moved into it, uh, all of the paint on the side of the house, the siding, had this beautiful uh, cedar siding or redwood siding. I'm not sure what it was. Uh, It was just peeling. It was all peeling off, and the house looked terrible. And... I was kind of set that I'd have to replace it. And in, you know, Michigan, you know, kind of everything was vinyl. Everybody just put vinyl up. Plus, you were a young man. Yeah, I was young. You didn't have a lot of DIY experience under your belt. Right. So uh, what I did was I learned a little bit about paint. And uh, me and my buddy, who had a spray painter, you know, a a power painter, came over. We bought, you know, $200 worth of paint. We painted my whole house. We scraped it and painted it. And that thing looked brand new spanking new like a gem i mean that siding was in perfect condition yeah and that's a perfect situation where you can't underestimate the value of the paint because certain applications all it takes is a coat of paint did you paint it with fireproof paint just in case no (laughs) but fast forward (laughs) you know 20 how many years is this now 25 years later there uh, I had these, I just painted my house last summer, and uh, the, I had all these fascia boards and barge rafters on my home that were peeling really badly. And I was thinking back, I was like, oh, well, we could just, you know, scrape those and paint them. But the wood is in such bad shape, it looks terrible. Even we painted, painted all, yeah, we painted all the barge rafters and fascia, spray primed them. I even got up there with a power sander and sanded some of the areas down and scraped them. Uh, but the painter got done, he put, several coats of paint on them and it looks bad some of the splits in the in the weathered wood is so deep that it's even though you put a couple of coats of paint on it's still there does not look good right so that wood is in bad shape and you know eventually i'm gonna have to pull them off and replace them yeah if i want them to look nice right which i do right right absolutely so those are two really good examples of what i'm talking about i feel like that people um understand 
that uh, painting is something that they can do most of the time, but they just don't put enough value in it. Well, here's the thing. You could spend a moderate amount of money to repaint a room or even the entire interior of your home. But the paint job needs to be good. I mean, it can't, you're not just saying that you put paint on the wall and it's going to be better. Even if the walls are in good enough shape that just a coat or two coats of paint will fix it, the paint job still needs to be good. Now, here's my story. Corey and I, we are remodeling, uh, sort of revamping an old shed, and we're turning it into a recording studio. It's where we stand today. It's where we are right now, and inside here is amazing. It's beautiful in here, but you know what? If Corey would have allowed my paint job to stand, it would not look this good. Corey says, what are you going to do? You're going to tape the seams? And I'm like, I have to tape because I can't cut in. The two places I cut in, yeah, I got paint on the ceiling. Corey was like, no, this is not going to be good enough. It needs to be clean. You need to make sure that you can't see the white through the color, you know, the clay color that's on the wall. All of these things matter. Cutting in the corners tight, not having heavy spots or drips or runs, making sure that you get all the way in the corner and make sure that it's you get two good coats so you're covering all of the area. I learned some things about paint when I worked in here on this project with Corey, and uh, and I'm glad that I had that opportunity because Corey takes painting very seriously. Here's the thing. I a, enjoy painting. A bad really paint do. job just simply is not going to get you what a good paint job will get you, but a good paint job is valuable. That's what I'm trying to say. I agree with that. There's a lot of value in a good paint job. Um, and if you, can't do it, you can't, if you can't do it, and you don't have a buddy that can do it, maybe you need to hire it out. <laughs> right? Because I'm just saying. Well, yeah. No, you make a good point. Be, uh, you know, like you said, you, you tape seams, and you, you wanted to tape around all of the trim work. And I'm like, man, that's like a thousand feet of tape, and it's going to take us several hours. I don't like to tape. I really don't. I like to take my brush an angled sash brush and just cut it in and it's done and it looks good. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's definitely a, a skill that you need to learn. Yeah. Well, it can definitely, it can definitely increase the resale value of your home, especially right before a walkthrough, um, you know, of somebody that's a potential buyer. So don't underestimate the value of a good paint job. All right. Now let's, uh, you know, here's another big mistake that people make when doing remodels is, not designing your addition or remodel in accordance with the style of your home. For instance, if you live in a farmhouse and you know you're adding on a super modern wing, it looks weird. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you live in a super modern home and you add on Victorian. Victorian. Yeah, would you want a Victorian or colonial look on something that's mid-century modern. It just looks weird. Yeah. I've seen it so many times. Or you see a super modern home and you walk in and there's craftsman trim everywhere. Yeah. I hate that personally. Uh, that's my opinion, but some people like it. But uh, in my opinion, not following the architectural style of your home is a big mistake. Yeah, I agree with that. Absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of designers uh, and interior finish people will tell you to, to listen to your home and what it's telling you uh, because it, it wants to be 
recognized for what it doesn't want to lose itself, right? Your home doesn't want to lose its identity. Your home has an identity. It was built a certain way. And those types of homes uh, have certain color schemes. They have certain uh, design schemes and you should stay with that. So yeah, don't, don't make that mistake. And here's another thing, as long as we're talking about it, and this is just a small thing, but if you're trimming out the interior of your home and you run out of trim and you go back to the store and you get one that's close, <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. If you have to take that other trim off and replace it all, but don't, don't mismatch trim. Don't do that. That's terrible, right? Okay, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, more of those DIY mistakes you don't want to make. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your Weekend Warriors. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for staying with us. Today in the show, we're talking about the biggest mistakes you can make as a weekend warrior. And Tony, you know, one of the biggest mistakes I think that the person that owned my home before me made was they focused on the appearance. So when we remodeled my kitchen, it looked beautiful. On the, the, the outside. The finish was tremendous. The lipstick was amazing. But when you started tearing into it and looking behind there was a lot of structural problems. It was a rotten onion. For instance. On the inside. A beam that was holding up my entire second floor was pieced together pieces of wood that was literally falling apart. And not even supported by any type of footing. <laughs> the, the posts that came down to the, through the, 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 that were supposed to hit the foundation cut in half for yeah. wires to go through. Right. The other side was supposed to be hit sitting on a footing. No footing. No footing. It was just a lot of issues that whoever did that kitchen before, they focused on what was going to look good and not be uh, structurally sound. sound. Right. So that is probably, that's a big mistake in my opinion. Now you think about that, right? And, and it had not been that long since the work was done. And sure, it was, it was standing when we found the mistakes. It was standing. But it was literally a ticking time bomb. Uh, it's only, it was only a matter of time. Something starts to give and then something more starts to give. And the next thing you know, you have a, you know, a collapsing structure. It was a, it was an absolute disaster waiting to happen. We caught it, we fixed it and it was expensive. Um, so the lipstick, as we like to call it, we talked earlier on the show about prioritizing the lipstick is bottom priority. Well, you have to focus yeah. on you have to focus on the priority items. I would consider first. it a priority, but lower down the list. I mean, yeah, like you said, structural coming up with your budget and thinking about what is required structural, you know, integrity of your home is required. You know, putting in beaded ceiling on in a, in a kitchen, not required. And that's where the person that did the remodel before me failed, in my opinion. Mm hmm. Here's another one. I got one for you. I got you... one too. Okay, I'm going to do this one. I really like this one. Don't ignore the lighting. I feel like we kind of think of lights as something that is 
just a, a functional, just a functional item, right? It, it's not supposed to look good. It's just supposed to work. But that's really not the case. There's so much out there uh, that can enhance the proper lighting inside your home. And it's so important. Proper lighting. How many, how many times have we changed the lighting in the studio? Oh, man. I mean, we, four times. At least four times before finally we feel like we got it right. The lighting in the studio is right, but only because we gave it the time and attention that it needed in order to make it work. Well, I'm a lighting we snob to. too. I mean, I, I don't like I don't feel at ease in certain homes because the lighting is terrible. You know, you got a super bright light in the corner of the room, and you're sitting in a dark spot, and you know, I, I hate that. I'm a very I, I like specific lighting. I like things on dimmers, so. Yeah, I mean, you make a good point. Well, Don't I mean, ignore I, it. I feel like, yeah, I feel like it adds so much to the home, the interior of a home, that you just simply can't ignore it. And it doesn't have to be the most expensive thing. Just make sure that the room is evenly lit, well lit. You need to be able to see your food in front of you. You know what I'm saying? When you're eating. Yeah. And uh, if that means you need to add a lamp, add a lamp. Uh, if that needs you, means you need to add a, a second light in the ceiling, you know, that's what you got to do. Switch to canned lights. That's what Corey said. He, Corey said to me, hey, you got one light in the middle of your room. You can turn that into six canned lights. Ready? Go. Pretty easy project. Too. And it was. And it turned out great. And I love it now. And I had no idea it would be so easy to multiply my single light by six and, and do it really in a, in a, in a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, here's one for me that I always think about, that I see people make this mistake all the time. But considering order of operations when you're working on a project doing things out of order and what i mean by that is for instance if you're doing a remodel and you tear everything out and then you put in this is an extreme but you put in your carpet and then you do your sheetrock <laughs> that's uh, you know what i mean yeah that, that you, you look at that and go no who would ever do that I'm sure it happens. It happens. You yeah. know, but there, right down to the little small details, though, there's a lot of things. For instance, I ran, I wanted to run um, speakers in my kitchen when I did my kitchen remodel. I thought about that way ahead of time. So before the sheetrocker came in, I ran up there and I drilled all my holes and I ran all my wire and I had everything ready before sheetrock. Because if, as soon as the sheetrocker come in, it wasn't going to happen. Right. So little things like that, that it's really good to list out all of the projects that you want to do. And then in the order that you need to do them, you just don't want to jump ahead, put the cart before the horse, get something done and go, dang it. I really should have done this. I really should have moved that toilet before I tiled because I needed to move that toilet over five inches or, or whatever. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? There's just lots of little things like that yeah. that a professional contractor and w subcontractor would know what to do and in what order to do them. So that makes absolutely the most amount of sense. If you can envision your entire project from beginning to end, then you can begin to put in there the order of which things will happen. And that means the same thing means what can a contractor do what multiple items can a contractor do in, in one visit? If you say, well, we'll have this contractor come at this time. He can do this thing and this thing and this thing. 
and then we can work between those uh, those other things, right? But that way he's only making one visit to the job site. They charge sometimes based on how many times they have to come back. Oh, yeah. Especially, you know, if it's a smaller job. So, but if you start to build that timeline, that workflow, if you will, then you can plan that out and it will save you money. It will save you headache. It will save you time. It's definitely the way to go. Here's one for you. We just finished remodeling my mom and dad's manufactured home. And when we got in there, Corey, we found doors to bedrooms that were one foot, eight inches. Oh my goodness. Yeah. One, I, I mean, there was even a, a, there was a one eight, there was a one ten, several two O doors. These are small doors. One thing you don't want to do is skimp on the size of door. If you're replacing doors, if you're replacing sheetrock, trim and jam and that sort of stuff, see if there's an opportunity to put a bigger door in that opening. We had to cut back some, some top plate and some bottom plate. We had to put in some new studs in order to do it and block it and everything. But you know what? They were so much happier not having a door smaller than two six throughout the whole entire place. That you have to turn sideways to squeeze through? Yeah, they were so small. And, you know, that's the way they did manufactured homes. And, uh, you know, in 1970. But don't skimp on hallways, walkways, doorways. If there's an opportunity to make it a little bit bigger, you'll definitely be happier with it in the end. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a very good tip, you know. If you're already in there and the door and you have access, again, the order of operations. Yeah, If absolutely. you're already in there and you can see that you can change it now, do it now. It will save you in the long run, in the future, when you're kicking yourself going, man, now I got to yep. tear into sheetrock. Now I got to replace the molding. Yep. Order a new door versus at that time. So that's a good tip. Always a mess. Yep. Here's another big one. Doing major work without getting a permit. Oh, no. Don't do that. That is, uh, not every project that you do in your home requires a permit. Not every project. But it's always a good idea to just call, you know, your local jurisdiction and ask, this is what I'm doing or this is what I want to do. Do I need a permit? And a lot of times they'll just tell you right over the phone. Yes or no. And if you do, you know, find out what you need to submit for that permit how much it's going to cost and make sure you equate that into your time. And then you also equate in those ins inspections. Very Abs important. Yeah, I agree with that. Here's another important one. And, and I know we're kind of going through this list quickly, but these are important things that we really wanted to share with you. Don't skimp on your window quality. If you're replacing windows in your home, or if you're building a new home and you're choosing windows, it is very easy to get the least expensive window and slap it in there and say, ah, who cares? It's a window. Man, you know what? Walls have, what, R21 um, like a value yeah, yeah. In, in a regular wall. And then you put a window in it, right? And you're cutting that way down. Not even close to R21. Now you're, you're somewhere around, I don't know, R5 or something like that with this window. You want to have the very best possible window that you can have to retain heat, to keep solar heat gain out, to do all of the things, to shade your home, to everything that it does, to be secure, all of those things. Don't skimp on your windows. It's very important. That's the last tip we got for you. We're out of time. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been another episode of Your Weekend Warriors right here on the Weekend Warriors Radio Network. Have a great week. <laughs>